Hi, everyone, and welcome to College Football Landscape, the college football podcast that's part of the Total Sports 24-7 network. This is Chris Hayes, the host and producer for this podcast and all podcasts across the Total Sports 24-7 network. You can find archived episodes of this podcast and all podcasts across the network on our website. That's totalsports247.podbean.com. Follow us on X as well at totalsports underscore 247 and consider subscribing to our newsletter weekinweekout.substack.com. Lastly, wherever you listen to this podcast, be it Podbean or Amazon, Apple, Spotify, or any other major podcast platform, please rate, review, leave comments, and subscribe. That always helps us with promotion of the network. So we would really appreciate that if you could take the time to do that on your preferred platform. Today, we are talking about the national championship game taking place Tonight at 7.30, I believe, Eastern Time is when coverage, at the very least, starts on ESPN. The game, of course, is between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. We'll start with the current odds and we'll get into analysis of the game. According to DraftKings right now, Michigan is a five-point favorite with the total, it's been hovering right under a key number. So the total is at 55 and a half. Moneyline bets, if you are interested in going that route, Michigan is minus 205 and Washington is plus 170. We're going to start with the offense for Michigan versus the defense for Washington, then transition to the other side of the ball and then give our picks at the end of the episode. So what does Michigan want to do on offense? Well, naturally, they are set up to ball control as much as possible. They will use Blake Corum as much as they can, who, despite being pretty banged up for most of the year, had a very successful season. I think a lot of people are down on the kind of season Corum had because we didn't see the explosivity that we saw in prior years with him, particularly last year, but he still had an outstanding season, 25 touchdowns on the year to go with 1,111 yards. Now, he's averaging just 4.7 yards a carry, and previously he averaged 5.9 in 2022 and 6.6 in 2021. So like I said, that explosivity around his injury maybe isn't there, but also his yards per carry is down because they gave him so many touches around the goal line, 25 touchdowns. So naturally, if he's plunging it in from within two, three, four yards regularly, I mean, if he did that 25 times during the season, that's going to affect his per carry average. On the uh, or in in the backfield with him, Donovan Edwards did have a down year for sure. His long run for the year was just 22 yards. He had 393 yards on the ground on 113 carries. This was a far cry from last year, where he was just a shade under 1,000 yards and 7.1 yards per carry. So he was the home run hitter last year. He just hasn't lived up to the year that he had last year. This year at all, but that doesn't mean that he won't be an important factor, I think, in this game. They still carry the ball at about a two-to-one ratio, and I imagine that that will continue. They may 
run McCarthy a little bit as well. He is athletic enough to where they can do that. Uh, we saw that specifically in the Penn State game where McCarthy only threw the ball, I think it was eight times in that win, and they did use his legs. So everything's on the table, right, for a national championship game. So I imagine that they may use him a little bit. We also saw, if you recall, in the game against Alabama, not a lot, but there were plays where they brought in Alex Orgy, the big quarterback sophomore uh, from Texas, 6'3", 235, they brought him in a couple times and he wasn't somebody that they used like at all during the season. So I wonder if there are a couple plays, maybe like a fourth and one or uh, just an important uh, conversion that needs to be made if a couple times they bring him in again just to give Washington something else to think about, even if it is a decoy of some sort. Michigan is so successful at running the ball because of the way they change things on their uh, offensive line and what their sets look like. Their offensive line is quite versatile and they'll pull, they will uh, uh, create uh, holes in different areas depending on what the, the defense is bringing to them. And that's why Michigan has been so successful this year at keeping the ball and limiting their uh, opponent's uh, possessions. It's it's not because they're home run hitters, right? It's because they've been able to convert on third and two. They're putting McCarthy in successful situations with their run game, right? McCarthy's not having to do a lot of third and eight or longer because they've been successful on first and second down running the ball, and they've been consistently successful at doing that. That's certainly not a position they want to put McCarthy in in this game where he has to continually make plays in third and long situations. The offensive line, I think, has a considerable advantage against Washington's defensive line. That will be one of the many storylines to follow in this one, whether or not Washington, you know, their front seven, whether or not they will be able to slow down this running attack, particularly Blake Horm. And if they do, will they be able to pressure McCarthy into some mistakes? We saw right at the beginning of the Michigan-Alabama game that McCarthy was nervous and that he was nearly picked by Caleb Downs, whose foot was a millimeter out of bounds on McCarthy's first attempt in that game. The strength, I believe, of Washington's defense is their secondary. So they may, what uh, scheme-wise, really try and pressure Michigan into third and medium and third and long situations by crowding the box. I think that might be something that they do. And they may trust their corners on islands against these Michigan receivers and say, you know what? Beat us, right? We don't know that you can. Go ahead, Roman Wilson. Go ahead, Cornelius Johnson. Beat us on the outside one-on-one. We think that you can handle that. That is, for the most part, what Alabama tried to do. They did have some success doing it. Clearly not enough, but I wouldn't be surprised if Washington is watching that film and thinking to themselves, we can implement a similar kind of game plan that Alabama did with more success. They have one of the better corners in the league in, in or in, in 
all of college football and Jabbar Muhammad. As far as I know, he is good to go for this game. He was banged up a little bit at the end of the Rolls Bowl, but it seems like he's probably fine. And Dominique Hampton is a huge hitter and uh, a great leader in that secondary as well. So I wouldn't be surprised, like I said, if they try that tactic and say, beat us in the passing game, we're going to continually put eight in the box to stop Coram Edwards and McCarthy on the ground game. Now, can Michigan beat them through the air? Well, they can, right? Wilson had 12 touchdowns. He's, I think he's a little bit of an underrated receiver. I think that overall, Michigan's offense is not looked at as a unit that is particularly dangerous, but I think it's more because they haven't had to be all season long. I think the capability is still there. And I think that they will use Colston Loveland in the passing game as well. I think the middle of the defense for Washington is probably the weakest spot. Maybe, you know, their front, I think the secondary is much better than their front seven. And that's where Loveland could create some matchup issues. He didn't really see much action at all in the Rose Bowl, but has had some good games this year, particularly in the Big Ten, uh, not the championship, the game before that, against Ohio State when he went uh, five catches for 88 yards and uh, was able to create some matchup issues there with that Ohio State defense, which the Ohio State defense is very, very good. So we could see more of him uh, in this game to kind of mix things up. I mean, he was third on the team in catches for the year, but if you look at their receiving totals, Wilson had 45, Johnson had 44, and Loveland had 42. So depending on what they've seen in film and what they uh, are looking at matchup-wise, if Washington is challenging Wilson and Johnson on the edge, it might mean that Loveland stays into block releases and tries to get some space and separation against the linebackers by you know running up the seam. So I wouldn't be surprised if Loveland is a key part of what Michigan wants to do on offense. When we look at what Washington wants to do, again, I think that they need to put McCarthy in situations where he feels pressure and maybe rush him a little bit in terms of what he wants to do, right? When we look at J.J. McCarthy, I, I think of him... And I look at Penn State and Drew Aller, right? It's almost like they, they kind of do the same thing where this is maybe a little bit of a, a harsh term, but they try they coddle their quarterback, right? They coddle McCarthy where they're like, we're going to run, 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 and you're only going to need to make simple throws and you can guide us to victory. That's what Penn State was doing with Aller all season long, which is why Aller only had one interception on the season, but had a horrendous you know, yards per pass percentage, right? McCarthy is certainly not to that degree, but it's a similar setup wherein they're saying, okay, McCarthy, we're going to make this very easy for you. You're going to complete passes at a 73% rate and you're not going to turn the ball over. Can Washington get pressure on McCarthy? Now, the, during the season, they were not great at getting pressure and they typically don't blitz. And so I think you may see more blitzing because because again, this is the national championship game. They're going to have to go all out. They may blitz more than what we saw during the season again, which was not that much. 
and cr- try and create some stress for McCarthy to have to throw under and rely on their secondary to cover these receivers one-on-one and flat out make plays. And I think Hampton and Muhammad, they're two you know, players in their safety or in their secondary, I should say, that can make those plays. So uh, those are the key matchups, I think, for Michigan's offense versus the defense. Can Washington afford to stuff the box, put Corum, Edwards, and McCarthy in situations where they are not generating four and five yards carry to where third and long comes into play. McCarthy has to uh, throw the ball and he has to do so under pressure. Will Michigan's offensive line hold up against any kind of pressure that Washington wants to bring? So that's what I think of when I think of Michigan's offense versus Washington's defense. On the flip side, if we look at Washington's offense and Michigan's defense. Washington has this reputation for being explosive. And Washington has a reputation for running up and down the field. The numbers don't say that that's the case. Now, they certainly hit long throws. And McMillan wins battles, Polk wins battles, Adunze wins battles, right, against secondaries. And Penix is the best in college football at throwing the long ball, right? Plays per game. We didn't talk about this with Michigan, but I'll segue into the Washington side of things as I uh, bring this stat up. Michigan was 122nd in the country in plays per game at 63.2. So they clearly want to bleed the clock, run the ball with their running backs and potentially McCarthy, and keep their offense on the field, keep your offense off the field, control tempo, control clock, and control the game. Washington was 92nd in plays per game. They ran just 66.1 plays per game. I think if you haven't watched Washington as much this year, you would think that they are just running up and down the field, running gun, bombing the ball all the time, and doing so at a high rate of speed. The numbers don't say that they do that. You also may think it because last year, 2022, Washington ran 75.1 plays per game. This year, that would have put them in the top 15 in the country. But they slowed it down considerably this year. 66 plays, nine fewer plays a game, which ranks them 92nd again in the country. So while Washington does have explosive play ability and all of their receivers have the ability to create big plays in the passing game, Washington does want to hold on to the ball as well. And they have slowed the game down or slowed the game down this year with in between plays, right? They're not like running up to the line and snapping the ball with 30 seconds. They're typically not doing that. So that's number one. Number two is the health of Dylan Johnson. I'm not sure that he's 100%. He's definitely going to give it a go. If he is limited in any way, I don't know what they're going to do in the running game. Literally at running back. I'm not sure. The person with the second most carries in that backfield who um, spelled 
Johnson a little bit was Tybo Rogers. He's a freshman, but he only had 43 carries on the season. He had five in the semifinal. And he, uh, after the uh, Cal game in, in September, so he had 15 against Michigan State and eight against Cal. After that, he didn't have more than five in a game. So he hasn't had more than five carries in a game since September 23rd. So clearly inexperienced at the position. I'll put it this way. They had 391 carries on the season. Johnson had 222 of them. They had 1,730 yards rushing. Johnson had 1,162 of them. So he is their running back. And He's playing not just on running downs. He is an important part of their pass protection scheme along with their Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. So what do they do in this game so that they're not one-dimensional? I think, one, Johnson is still going to get touches in the running game irrespective of how healthy or not healthy he is. He will likely get somewhere in the range of 20 touches. I just don't know that he will be able to hold up physically over the course of this game. So maybe they only use him in more obvious running downs. That's number one. Number two, we did see, I think the point has been a little bit overblown, but we did see Penix run a little bit against Texas. They did use, he had three carries for 31 Yards. 31 yards was his high on the season. So they may look to use Penix's legs a little bit more. It's not something that he likes to do. It's not something that they have asked him to do. It's not something that they've needed him to do. But is it within his skill set? I think we might see a little more of that tonight, maybe in the range of five to seven quarterback runs for Penix. Three, they might just, so that, sorry, number one, they might go to Penix more. Number two, they might just pass more in the short passing game rather than just winging it down the field and making Adunze and Polk beat Michigan's corners one-on-one with back shoulder fade throws. They may go to McMillan in the slot more. They may go to Jake Westover in you know, some some hitch-and-go routes or, uh, you know, five-yard outs, things like that. They may substitute a short passing game to compensate for their inability to run as effectively as they want to were Johnson healthy. So I can see uh, Westover being more involved and McMillan especially, I would say, in the short passing game. They also might use Jeremy Bernard more in some jet sweep action or uh, using him creatively, trying getting him in space. He did carry the ball 13 times for them this year. He has a couple touchdowns and he was used more when McMillan was injured. And so maybe McMillan gets a, you know, a jet sweep or two, but I, I can't imagine that they won't use their receivers in the run game. Maybe running across the line of scrimmage, Penix gets the shotgun snap and just flips him the ball. I, I, I think there will be a couple plays like that. I don't know, and Tom Fernelli said this on the Cover 3 podcast, I don't know that the strength of uh, Washington's 
offense will be running sideline to sideline against this Michigan defense. I don't know that that's the best game plan, but they have to mix it up and uh, vary their approach in the run game with Dylan Johnson banged up. I really don't think that Johnson's going to be at 100%, and I think that when he's in there, he's going to run the ball. So we'll see. I think that's going to be a major factor for how this game ends up playing out. Michigan themselves, you know, everyone will say this, and I understand the talking point. Michigan hasn't faced an offense as dynamic as Washington's this year, right? They have not faced a team that can beat you with explosive plays, that can consistently create matchup problems in the passing game where their receivers are, you know, just beating you on contested catches. Their contested catch rate is through the roof. Can that type of offense, like a wing and a prayer type of offense, continue to work for Washington against this secondary that is probably the best secondary that they've faced all season long? You've got playmaker Mike Sanders still, five interceptions on the year and two touchdowns in that secondary. You've got Will Johnson, who creates uh, plays himself. He had a touchdown this year on in interception. So they've got guys in their secondary, uh, Quentin Johnson as well, who can make plays and may be able to cover this uh, Washington core of, you know, pro type receivers. The thing about Sandra still that has always been a knock on him that may come into play as well in this game is that he is small. So you still kind of favor Washington a little bit with their um, contested catch rate ability because they're just flat out bigger. But again, this is the best secondary that uh, Michigan has ever faced. And Michigan is built to face this kind of potent offense, even though you may not think so. And the reason you may not think so is because what potent offense did they face this year? Really none. I mean, Maryland might have been the most potent offense that they faced. It certainly wasn't Penn State with Drew Aller. And with Kyle McCord at Ohio State, those were the two that you would think it would be. Neither one of them offered uh, too much in the way of you know explosive. I mean, despite Ohio State's receivers, Right, They just had McCord at the helm who couldn't get the job done. But they're constructed to beat the kind of team that Washington is. That was how they beat Ohio State years previous. Harbaugh knew that in order to get to the point where they're at now, they first had to get to the point where they were beating Ohio State. And how do you do that? You design your defense around stopping explosive passing offenses. And that's, again, what they're able to do. A very interesting question in this game is how Michigan will generate pressure against this Joe Moore to winning offensive line. I think that Texas maybe was a little bit underappreciated in how much pressure they were able to generate on Penix because Penix didn't get sacked. Texas still did have moments where they had Penix under duress. I think Michigan is better than Texas. I think, especially on the outside of their defense, they are better. So does that mean they get to Penix a couple times, get some sacks, 
and maybe force Penix to make a mistake or two. Penix did throw nine interceptions on the season. Not a lot, but it's not nothing. McCarthy only threw four. So it's not as if Penix won't throw the occasional interception. He is, I don't want to say vulnerable to that because that's being a little bit too harsh. But it's not as if he doesn't make mistakes, right? He's not he's not perfect. So um, an interception could be in the cards if, especially if Michigan is able to build a lead, right? If Michigan's able to ball control and get in the end zone and say get up by a couple scores, then you might see Washington start to press and Penix start to make some throws that would work against other defenses, right? Those contested throws, that maybe won't work as well in this game, especially if it's predictable in you know the situation that they're in. So I think in terms of edges on the offensive side versus the defense for both teams, I would say Washington has a slight edge against Michigan's defense in this game. Michigan has to force Washington to be one-dimensional, and then win these one-on-one battles with their receivers. On the other side of things, I think Michigan's offense is better than Washington's defense. Washington has to figure out how to create pressure. They're not typically good at that, and they also have to figure out how to stop the run because that's what Michigan's going to want to do. So, What does that mean for the game and for the total? My pick here is going to be Michigan minus five. And I'll tell you why. The main stat that jumps out at me among all the stats you can look at across the board, individual stats, team-based stats, whatever it is, it's this one. Washington's success rate this year against the run 130th nationally against a team that wants to run the ball and has done so successfully all season long against some of the better defenses in the country. Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, just to name a few. I think that Michigan will be able to control tempo I think they can generate more pressure than any other team has been able to do against Washington. And I think that they force Penix into making more mistakes than he is accustomed to making. So I'm going to go with Michigan minus five on this one. And the other bet I'm going to make is on Washington's team total. The bet I'm going to make is Washington team total under 24 and a half, and that's at minus 112 on DraftKings. So I'm picturing this game to be somewhere in the range of 27 to 20 potentially, but I could also see this going over where Michigan dominates from start to finish, and Washington has no answer, right? I could see this being 35 to 
24, right? Or 35 to 21, right? So that's why I'm not betting on the total itself because I do think Michigan could end up scoring a lot of points. But I don't know that Washington will. Washington has at times this year. Now, maybe it has been when Penix was hurt. Not sure. But they have at times struggled offensively. You look at how they ended the season. On the 18th of November at Oregon State, they scored 22 points. They managed 24 points in the Apple Cup against Washington State, right? So they have at times struggled to score points against defenses that are decent. And Michigan is elite. So the two plays I'm going with are Michigan minus five and Washington team total under 24 and a half. So that'll do it for this episode of College Football Landscape. This will be the last episode for quite some time. I think the next time we air will be in the spring when we talk about a transfer portal season, so to speak, being over and ironing out who is on what team. Uh, and we'll, we'll do it conference by conference and a group of five uh, to make sure that you're set up for 2024 and uh, the college football season there. So that'll likely be the next time we air uh, an episode of this podcast. We hope you enjoy the game tonight. We absolutely will. We think it'll be an exciting end to what was a captivating college football season. This has been College Football Landscape, part of the Total Sports 24-7 Network. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.